0: Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chandler.
1: Welcome back, Food and Faith Podcast listeners. Um, This is Derek here. I am on my own. I am flying solo without Sam and Anna today, Um, but... Uh, they're actually going to be really jealous that they're not here today because mm. we have, um, as as our guest, we have Justin Cox, um, mm. who is uh, also known on social media as Black Sheep Baptist. Um, Justin, uh, Justin and I met at the um, Re-emerge, Regenerate Fellowship at mm. um, Warren Wilson College that's through Wake Forest. Um, if you've listened to the show, you've heard... Sam and Anna talk about that, that gathering. It's, it's a whole bunch of like the best people, uh, people who are doing work around food, faith, ecology. Um, and, and so I got to be a part of that. And that's where I met Justin and uh, had a lot of good conversations there and I'm mm-hmm. I'm really excited to pick up on conversation today. Uh, so Justin, thank you for being with us today.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate the invite. I was, uh, I was retracing that too. I was like, what do we meet? Like, it's gotta be, I'll, I blame everything with food and faith I, I blame Fred Bonson so,
1: absolutely Fred, um, so Fred Bonson is to blame for all of this <laughs>
0: is, you know, that, that cool calm demeanor of like you should meet these people let me put you in touch with these and uh so I, I blame Fred Bonson changed the my course of my seminary experience so I uh, I lay all that at his feet. So.
1: yeah I, I think we, we we can all we can all blame Fred for some from yeah some life life altering <laughs> something moments. yeah so uh, Justin is the senior pastor of United Church of Lincoln. He comes to Vermont. Uh,
0: what part of Vermont is, are you in? So I'm. Uh, I'm about everything's about a half hour away from something else. <laughs> um, so we are in. Uh, I'm in Lincoln, Vermont, okay. which is uh, maybe 45 minutes south of Burlington.
1: Okay. So cool. Yeah. Um, so he's he came to Vermont with his wife Lauren and their daughter Violet. Um, Justin received a theological education from both Campbell University uh, in North Carolina and Wake Forest University School of Divinity located in Winston-Salem. That's where he earned his MDiv. Uh, before, uh, Before he was at his current church, he served as a student minister at two North Carolina Baptist churches. He's an ordained minister and affiliated with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Justin enjoys reading, very amateur gardening, experimenting in the kitchen and helping Lauren chase Violet all around the village of Lincoln and he's currently enrolled in the Doctorate of Ministry program at McAfee School of Theology. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is a little bit of background on Justin, but we're gonna learn a lot more about him uh, during this interview. So we wanna start where we always do. Um, what is your geography? What are the places uh, that have shaped you? What are, what are the, the culture, the music, whatever it is that, that you feel like has shaped you, what, is your, what would you consider your geography?
0: Oh, man, um, it's, uh, it's, it's changed, it's changed a lot. Um, and I think maybe uh, the pandemic offered some, uh, some time of reflection. And as we get into you know, discussing stuff about the the kitchen, obviously, that's where it's played itself out the most to me uh, recently. Um, but you know, I grew up in Western North Carolina. Um, and so I'm in <laughs> the, the phrase I've been kind of, uh, I haven't really put it out there yet. But I've so when you look at a region like the Appalachian region uh, you know, stretches, um, I am in the last, I grew up in the last county uh, in North Carolina that's included in the Appalachian region. And so not only is it the last county, but I grew up on the border between it and the next county over. So I am lightly brushed with butter, <laughs> with, with, uh, with uh, just, a, just a hint of flavor of Appalachia. Um, but that is, that's where I grew up there uh, in Forsyth County. Um, which is uh, you know, a pretty rural uh, rural area. I grew up in the Piedmont Triad region. and that, that area is marked with uh, it was a place of hosiery mills and very still very rural. Uh, my grandfather was a tobacco farmer, um, and so I grew up on that tobacco farm, you know, very communal living. You know, my parents were there, great aunts were down there. Uh, my great aunts lived in an old house that had no running water. They had the, the old string light bulbs. Um, so very, that's, you know, that's very Appalachia sounding. Know, uh, got water out of a well. And so that was very common to me to get off a school bus and walk through a cow pasture and go to my grandparents' house in the afternoon because you know, mom and dad, uh, they worked. Um, so it's a, it was a weird combination of like being in the 1980s of being a latchkey kid, uh, but then growing up on a, on a farm. Um, and, and I guess the older I got, the more um, I tried to tried to fight that imagery, because, you know, if you're from that, that kind of upbringing, you're uh, sometimes the projections of, uh, yeah, of being slow, uneducated, uh, backwoods, backward. And so I fought that for a long time. And uh, it wasn't maybe until you know, in my 30s where I started reclaiming that a little bit and finding how much that that place nurtured. Uh, and formed me uh, just from me experiences with my family and then just the region of being from the being from the south and being from that pocket of of North Carolina that can that claims that Appalachian um, identity so that's uh, that's where that's where you know that's where that's where home is you know even when I talk about home now that's um, that's home And and I think maybe my attempts in the kitchen have been that that trying to chase home a little bit um, and trying to get that. Cause it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not in the food that's in my present uh, in my present community.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things there that you said that I, I want to follow up on. Um, what does that meant to you reclaiming uh, some of that tradition? Because I, I think you're, you're, you're right. That there is a, there is a perception mm-hmm. of, of Appalachian culture that that is Usually, fair, fairly pejorative. Uh, it's usually mm-hmm. fairly negative. Um, so, what has it meant for you reclaiming that culture, and what is that? What is why has that been important for you?
0: Uh, you know, I, it was just, you know, it started for me. Uh, you know, so I have a toddler. I mentioned you. Know, we chase this toddler around uh, the village. You know, there's a lot of snow out here, so she's not really out and about that much right now. Um, so we're getting kind of a reprieve, but. Um, through seminary and in my time in the academy, I learned that my best time for quiet time was in the mornings. Um, and so I would rise early, like 4.35 in the morning. And that's where I could get a paper finished or get a reading done. And um, and I was doing that one morning and I was working through Michael Twitty, uh, the cooking gene. And um, it was great. My, my spouse got to meet Michael Twitty back in Winston-Salem when he came to Old Salem and gave a presentation. And Um, I was going back through his book and just reading stuff and his stories about sitting at a table with his mother, his grandmother and his aunts, like just hit so close to me. Um, And that just, uh, it it spoke to me in a way that I, I guess I, it was something that, I don't know, I use the image, like it was like buried underneath somewhere. I was like, I didn't realize how much I missed that or long for that. And uh, so reading that part, and then he introduced some form of like, you know, making, um, uh, soup stock, and I knew that I had turkey bones from like the previous Thanksgiving <laughs> down in my freezer, and so like I, you know, it's like five in the morning, and I walk downstairs and I start making, um, I start making soup stock, and uh, we, there was still a little bit of, uh, I still had like some uh, rosemary that was out in like the herb spiral that we have outside the parsonage, and so here I am, like the sun's not up yet, I'm uh, I'm in like my robe and uh you know pajamas uh tiptoeing around outside uh, grabbing that and hopefully the neighbors don't see um and i and so i come back in and i'm doing all this stuff and i'm getting it ready and it was it was the closest to prayer i'd felt like in a long time um and it was i mean it was it was a, a spiritual practice but it was also this uh it was it was hitting on that nostalgia feel that um that i always that i envied when i watch shows like um Uh, stranger things and you see that old pepsi can or you you remember getting that mcdonald's happy meal uh, at halloween and it felt a certain way and Mm -hmm. all this like memories came rushing back and that all happened at a uh at a stove in in vermont and uh, it was just this beautiful uh, just moment i was like yeah this is this is what i'm gonna chase like i this is This is uh, a. This is giving me meaning. This is giving me life. Um, This is this is consolation in a time of desolation, and uh, and that's and that's where it started. Um, And been doing it ever since.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, so I mean, I had very similar. It's really interesting. Like it, I, I had a very similar but different experience mm. with, with Michael Twitty's cooking gene, mm. and I'm really hoping I can get him on the show sometime. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but for those of you who don't know, Michael Twitty um, basically traces, um, in his book, The Cooking Gene, basically traces the roots of Southern cooking mm. from West Africa uh, it, it, through, through the slave trade and into how it's basically permeated kitchens in the South. And so I think I found a little bit of my, it's really really interesting that like you found a little bit of yourself there. I mm. found a little bit of myself there coming from very different backgrounds. Mm. Um, and I think we often miss how much those cultures influenced each other. Um, how, much, how much African-American culture and, and Southern and Appalachian culture really mm. were kind of just one culture in some ways that, that were, um, particularly once you got away from landowning and once you got Mm -hmm. away from wealth like those cultures were essentially one culture
0: yeah yeah the intersectionality um that you know he brought in that work i've just seen of a race and class um and then finding out how that how that meets in a very tangible way on someone's plate and how that breaks down and the cooking and the, the fact that i'm longing um that when i talk of you know my southern identity i talk of you know fried okra um, and i'm describing to people up here in vermont they're like is it is it slimy isn't okra like slimy and i'm like you just fry it you just fry everything and it's fine <laughs> and um but i talk about and then, and then here here i am this this uh this kid from appalachia but i'm i'm pining for something that grew on on the west coast of africa um and and that and that gives me meaning and, and so and there's there's a conversation starter there's a there's a point of interest um, there's a bridge, however you want to talk about it. Let's acknowledge where it's from, um, and then let's uh, let's just like let's share in the abundance of what it's been given to people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, Twitty, <laughs> Twitty's remarkable. So. Yeah,
1: he he really is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so talk to me uh, about pre-pandemic. Mm. Uh, what was what was your life in the kitchen like pre-pandemic?
0: So I when you saw me back at Regenerate, I was a much bigger guy. Um, I was probably around that 250, 260 mark. And uh when my kid was born, or right before my kid was born, um I started uh like just really kind of changing the way I eat. And I'd always had like a mixed relationship with food. Um, uh, you know, once you're like an athlete, even if you're an athlete like in high school, you still think you're an athlete and you, you <laughs> act you, you act as if um you're still in that shape. Yeah. Um and I and I just wasn't. So um and so I, I did some some life altering changes to the way I ate, uh, you know, being very uh conscious um of uh you know what I put in my body and the, you know, the the amount of food I was eating. So I was getting in the kitchen, I was working with digital scales and everything, but it was more of food at that time for me, it was more of a uh, this is necessary, like I need this many calories, I, I need this many grams of you know protein a day. And so it was uh that was my interaction with it. It was, it was, I don't want to call it like, Hey, it was kind of fuel. Like it was just yeah. what I needed to sustain. And I wasn't getting a lot of enjoyment out of it because I was lumping that joy into, um, you know, being a kid, you know, growing up on a farm and you're eating like biscuits and gravy and it's just stuff that you're being told, like it's bad for you. And it's, yeah. uh, it's it probably shouldn't today every day. Right. Um, so there was this weird kind of shift from, Getting like eating healthier, being more aware of what I'm eating and putting in my body, and then going to um, going to you know the, this time of moving to Vermont, we're just kind of getting situated. We're we're trying to try different cuisines all over the place. where you know we're getting this maple syrup everywhere, man. Like it's just it's <laughs> it's literally everywhere. Like they're happy right now, so they're getting ready for sugaring season, and so we're getting introduced to that. Um, and uh, so that was taking place. We're trying new restaurants. And we we're trying to get the taste for for the for the feel of the people here, and uh, and then all boom like the pandemic hits, um, and so there was this kind of progression of eating very country or eating very you know what we call maybe soul food, country food, southern food, getting kind of away from that, and then you know wanting to explore our new surroundings and the flavors that are part of this community, um, and then boom pandemic, and that's what kind of gave me I'm like you know I haven't had any like fried chicken up here you know what what do I do about that um I want uh cornbread you know I I I don't know where I can get cornbread here um or if I do it doesn't taste like cornbread from home um so how do I how do I deal with that and so that and how not only how do I deal with it but this this is so much of me when I eat it I want to share this with people um And so it you know, it, it had both a very individ, individualistic kind of element to it, but it was done with like a community type thing uh, of, of inviting people in. Um, and so that's kind of that's that's what that's what kind of built up um, and to that that cusp of the pandemic of uh, this is what I want to do uh, with this. Um, but yeah, it was you know I remember being in one of Bonson's classes and he asked us about our relationship with food, and I was like. <laughs> It sounded like a uh, like a Facebook post. I was like, you know, it's it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated, like because I I love biscuits and gravy, but biscuits and gravy, you know, it labeled me as the chunky kid, right? So I had to be kind of careful. <laughs> I had to be kind of careful of that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was that's that's something.
1: So so it's it's interesting. So it sounds like a lot of what happened for you in the pandemic when the pandemic hits was. Um, nostalgia and like this this kind of need this this connection of food to memory um, so 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 the pandemic hits you're starting to have these these cravings for these uh, I, I mean I think we can we can safely say comfort foods right mm-hmm. I mean that's that's sort of what all of us kind of went through is like finding our our comfort foods so what happens for you, you then begin can start spending a whole lot more time in the kitchen what <laughs> what was that yeah. like
0: Man, I, we had this weird, uh, there's this like this shelving in the parsonage and there was a microwave up on it. And I was like, get that the hell out of here. Right, he the, <laughs> microwave up. the microwave got moved and I just started stacking all these cookbooks that me and me and my spouse have like gathered over the years. And a lot of them were like, they're good cookbooks that, but they really didn't speak to like the region that I was from. So we had like Thomas Keller stuff. We had, you know, um, you know, you know the ad hoc, you know, we had like the Weems Sonoma cookbook. We had all this, uh. But I was like, this look, food looks really good, but it's not, it's not me. Um, and it's not, it's not the nostalgia that I was chasing. So I, I started, uh, there was a couple cookbooks, like we had the um, uh, Mama Dips cookbook, because my wife is from Chapel Hill. And so we had some of those there. And it was like me just kind of going through these and then like getting online and reading about these recipes. And so um, like one of the first cookbooks I, I cracked open was like Tupelo Honey, which is, you know, in Asheville. North Carolina, and I tried making their cornbread and, you know, and I had a cast iron skillet and was really intimidated by cooking with cast iron. I'd done some stuff in the past, but really didn't understand how to season um, season a pan that well. Um, so I had to learn that um, go through a couple of trial and errors and then try this cornbread and it was good, but it wasn't um, it wasn't my grandmother's cornbread. Uh, and so then it was like, okay, so where, where's her cornbread at? You know, where, where can I find that? called my mom my mom didn't have the recipe for it uh in fact uh when my mom used to ask my grandmother about cooking certain things like you know things she was known really well known for like biscuits my grandmother told her like i'm not going to show you how to do it because if you do it then you're going to be stuck doing it the rest of your life huh um yeah so uh there's, it, there's a lot to unpack there too <laughs> um, but, but it was uh so it was like all right what do I, I'm, I'm really starting from scratch trying to find some of this stuff and um so the more I read about Appalachian cooking, um, you, know, I, you know, Sean Brock, Chef's Table, all this stuff from like social media, uh, from you know, a Netflix series, I started to piece together uh, or trying to ch- like chase you know, one block to the other. And uh, I, I kept hearing all these Appalachian cooks uh, mention Ronnie Lundy. And I was like, OK, like, who's this Ronnie Lundy person? And so I, I, I you know, look her up, read about her find one of her old cookbooks um like shuck beans stack cakes and honest fried chicken and i got it and man like i was reading through it and it was really it's really good anyway because there's a lot of like old country music uh stars that that she cooked for and she would talk about and so uh those are kind of cool as part It's a cookbook that reads almost like um it's like a story versus just a cookbook so I was reading through it and uh, I found this thing for cornbread and her line about cornbread was uh, you don't add sugar to it. She's like, if, if, if God, if, if, if cornbread was meant to have sugar in it, God would have put it in it. You know, God would have <laughs> called it cake. That's what it was. If, if, cornbread, if cornbread was meant to have sugar, God would have called it cake. Um, and so I, I took a recipe and I had tried like, I don't know, probably a dozen cornbread recipes. I even tried like Edna Lewis's um, cornbread recipe, which was good, but it, but it wasn't the same. And but she comes from Virginia. Um, so that was maybe a little bit different. Um, and obviously coming from an African-American community uh, and had her own practices there. Um, but when I, when I, I, mean, I kid you not, man, I'm going to try not to tear up talking about it now. Um, when I made that cornbread and pulled it out of that skillet and I knew, I knew when I flipped it onto a plate, like it was the same color. It was, mm. the, same te- it was the same texture. And, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to cut it. So, you know, you cut it and there's just like, the heat is just you know coming off this thing and I, I put it in my mouth and it is it is every afternoon of when i was a kid and i would get to my grandmother's house to watch teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> on 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 the local you know big dial television yep. analog television I'm, I'm sitting there with a bowl of chili beans or pinto beans and i've got a slice of cornbread and you know, I'm crumbling up, putting it in this bowl. And when I taste that, man, I'm like, you know, it's six in the morning, everybody's asleep in my house. And, you know, I'm a, you know, almost 200 pound man in, in a union onesie. You know, I'm in a, an adult onesie. And I'm just like, I'm just like crying in the living room or in the, in the kitchen. Wow. Um, and because that's, that's the meaning of it. And, and it's so good. And it means so much to me. Uh, and and it, it shaped me in ways I didn't even know. And I'm like, God, this is so good for me. And I want people to know, I want people to understand how good this is. Um, and I want to share it. Like I want to share it for you, for you to understand me. I need you to eat this. Yeah. And um, I don't know. There's some, <laughs> there's some sacramental theology. In I was that. about to say, um, I, 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 that, that um, sounds like someone else I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, man, when you do this, uh, I want you to talk about me. I want you to remember me. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that was, man, that was it. Um you know, moments like that and they just keep happening um and so i just every morning every afternoon man there's something either coming off the stovetop or coming out of the oven um and you know ronnie lundy played a big big part of that but people like edna lewis uh people like travis milton um uh all those names uh people like you know uh was it uh there is it neil smith or bill this oh, i'm getting all their names mixed up now of uh, the Bill Neal, I think Crook's Corner uh, in Chapel Hill. A lot of stuff he did. A lot of things with like uh, grits. Uh, he kind of brought grits back into the uh, kind of mainstream of gourmet eating uh, in the nineteen eighties. And uh, Natalie Dupree and all the biscuits that she makes. I don't know. It's like i spent been, been. I'm like getting more uh, excited about them than I am about reading like you know works of theology. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So it's been a nice, it's been a nice break to put down some other stuff um, and, and pick the, and pick these books up. Cause uh, they are, man, they're just, they're chock full of, of spiritual practices and, um, and, uh, and meaning for me.
1: Yeah. They are, they are works of theology in their own right. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to listen. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a connection to culture and tradition but you're also talking about a connection to family mm-hmm. like your like your family you're talking about a connection to memory uh mm-hmm. like like these childhood memories and like uh, again that this would come up in the pandemic when mm-hmm. when everything feels so unsettled that mm-hmm. you would you would in in food find this connection to to home and and to memory and comfort like there's something really beautiful about that.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's taken it, you know, it, and maybe it even started a little bit before the pandemic because there were certain things in this region that you just couldn't get. Yeah. Um, so I remember, you know, going to the grocery store and I'm like, and it, was kind of, it was odd in all kinds of ways. It's like, you know, being a big North Carolina basketball fan, I was like, oh, it's not on the local channel anymore. That's weird for me because I, I don't, you know, I traveled a lot, but I'd only ever lived in kind of yeah. one place. That was weird. And then going to the grocery store, and I'm like, where where the hell's Duke's mayonnaise? Like, where's Duke's mayonnaise? Like, I've got it, so I would have it shipped here, um, so there are certain things, like, I would get that shipped here, I would get uh, sorghum, like, molasses, mm-hmm. I would get that shipped here, and then um, the big one has probably been, uh, when I get white lily, white lily flower, uh, I'll get it up here, I, I mean, I use a lot of King Arthur, because King Arthur is, like, I mean, it's in Vermont, um, and so I, I use it for about everything else, but Biscuits—you can only use white lily. Um, that's, that's that's what I remember. I mean, so I use, <laughs> I use that. Um, but then for Christmas, my my folks asked me. They were like, "What do you want for for Christmas?" And I was, you know, I told them maybe a cookbook or something. And then I said, "I really want these. I want some cornmeal from from a, a Guilford meals which is about 15 minute drive from where I grew up. And you know, my parents, there's like history there. They did like a an engagement shoot or a photo shoot not long before me and my sister were born um and so we uh so we've got some ties there and remember driving by and it was just the old mill but they do like stone ground cornmeal and um and grits and and so i was like send me hush puppy mix send me grits i want white and yellow cornmeal that's what i that's what i want for christmas and so it's like that's like my golden like going in the pantry it's like it's got its own little area that I get to kind of pull it out of um and uh so yeah that's that was that connection to home um and so and I, I had no idea it meant that much to me no idea um until I got in the kitchen
1: yeah so you um you actually told that story in one of your communion cookery posts. Mm -hmm. And so I want, I want to, uh, I would love for you to tell everyone what is communion cookery? How did it come about? And uh, sort of what, what's your, what's your, what's your goal for it? What's your plan for it?
0: Man, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure (laughs) out, (laughs) figure all that out. Um, I just knew I was doing, I I learned in, in seminary uh, and through that process of like, you know, anything that you write, should be able to be used more than just once it should be a, a double dip kind of thing so like if you're writing a paper that should show up in a sermon or a lesson somewhere or if you're writing a sermon man you better be it's awesome if you can use that for a paper um so there was this duality to everything um and so i started the black sheep baptist website you know to kind of process being a bit of a fringe person uh in in baptist circles and uh and, and i wanted to kind of lay claim to that uh, to say that there were other baptists out there that were outside of the Southern variety. <laughs> there's, there's, a lot more than that. Um, so I did that. And then when I started like making all this food, um, you know, people would comment, uh, after I would post something. Cause at first it just started with the images of like, this is what I'm doing this morning. This is what I'm baking. This is my time of prayer that I'm doing in the kitchen. And people would say, they'd send me a message or they would you know, comment and say, you know, Hey, I, how did you do that? What did you use? Or, so I began to kind of talk with a few, a few folks and they're like, you should, you should, this should be, I think there's something to this. There's something there. Um, and so that's where it came from. Um, but it wasn't just about the food. It was what the, the food was allowing me to do. And if you know, you know, the pandemic obviously has changed, you know, we're about a year, um, a year into it now, but one of the things that we didn't know in the early on, like how long could you be around people? How long could you spend time with, you know, you didn't want to go into people's houses and, and everything with that. So um, I I can remember when I first started getting into this, like you know, September of last year, and I began making stuff. Um, it was my, it was my, I don't know call it my, well, maybe it was my excuse to like, get out and visit a little bit. Cause mm. that's what I came to Vermont for. It was this you know, small town or, I mean, not even a town, it's a village, it's a, a village of about, of about 1200 people. And I came here to be a present centered pastor. And now I couldn't do that. So my whole idea of what I was going to be as a minister was just completely changed. Um, uh, and so getting starting to cook and, and, and make something every morning with an idea of who I wanted to drop it off to or someone I could visit and just kind of see them through a door and hand them a bag of, of whatever, that became the way for me to kind of live out a little bit of that call. That I, that I felt that I was supposed to do when I came here but I was just doing it in a different way and um and I may have wrote about this somewhere in the in the blog too I know I definitely preached it um but I remember sitting with my wife and I was like listing the people that I was going to drop stuff off to that day and she said you know I feel like you see more people now than you did before the pandemic hmm. and it is but it's really just kind of like a come and go and You know, it's people just outside of even even the church or even the faith community. So if it's a a local doctor who I I I know has some kids and they uh, they might enjoy some scones, I I make them and I take them up there. And it's just you know, it's a quick kind of you know, hey, I see you. We're standing a little bit apart, and uh, I hope you enjoy. it. This is how I make them. Um, This is how I do it. And um, I think that's part of the telling the story of why you do it and where it came from. You know, it gives the food meaning and that's the, um, that's the thing about, I think we, uh, in, in some ways, we all have that memory about something that our families made. Uh, and, and the reason grandma's biscuits taste so good is because grandma cooked them and she was thinking about me and she loved me. And I know they're going to taste that way. They're going to, I think you can infuse that into, uh, you can infuse care and knowledge and love into food. And, um, and so to pass that on to people has been, um, has been really great. And, you know, some of that was from the regenerate, uh, you know, like Heber Brown you know heber brown talking about uh you know when when they did the you know black black church food security network of of including like a little recipe and a little story with their with the collard greens that they would grow mm-hmm. and uh and i was like yeah that's it so how do i do that with a card and say you know i here's a, here's a couple pieces of cornbread that i'm leaving you this cornbread came or this cornmeal came from north carolina it came from a place that i drove by every day as a kid and <laughs> da, 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 da. so it's like when you eat it you're not just eating cornbread like you're you're getting a whole story and a history of a person that comes along or a history of a people that come along with it. And to me, that just makes it, that invites people into a story um, versus like, you know, it's just that idea of like reciprocity. Um, so I wanna share my story. I wanna hear your story, uh, food, table imagery, just, it just allows you to do it. Uh, and it, it does it in a way that is, um, I don't know, that maybe other ways just kind of fall short.
1: Yeah. One of the things that is, um just all over your writing and even, even in your, in your sharing now is that, is sharing. Um, you, you, for you, I, am really captivated by how it's, it's not enough for you to have, I mean, you're clearly having this prayerful spiritual experience of making food. Um, but it's, it's in the sharing and not just the sharing of, of the food itself, but in the sharing of the story of the food, that mm. you're finding so much depth and so much meaning and so much purpose, um, and I, I'm just I'm just really interested in like that that sharing component, where that where that comes from, because it feels it feels very theological. It feels yeah. like a very um, I don't know. It it feels like a very faith based thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so a lot of the communion cookery is dealing with like recipes, right? So if you go on the website and you look at like the blog post, um, like reflections and recipes, like that's what you're going to see. And, and I and I have little portions on there where I do kind of offer like a glimpse of where I'm coming from. Uh, and I give it a, a faith kind of <laughs> a spin or a teaspoon of faith in the communion cookery post. Um, but the thing I'm really starting to Beginning and this is just you know, in the beginning. Um, lean into is this uh, this idea of how this is how I understand this to be very sacramental theology, mm-hmm. um, and how I do that through a, a Baptist uh, understanding of faith. And um, so I, I've kind of I don't know how this how this started, but I'm kind of going with this this idea, this notion of a of a Waffle House kind of theology. Um, and so it's this place you know if, if you, if you grow up in the south there you know waffle houses are everywhere um the most i did a re, I did a research georgia has the most I mean, something like astronomical um i can remember going to a show in atlanta one time and driving by every damn there's a lot of waffle houses <laughs> uh, but they're always open and they're a place that people can stop in um and you can you can go there for lunch you can go there for dinner they have obviously i've got a slam in breakfast um, but there were also places that when I was in my youth, you would go there at like 2 a.m. after a concert and you could get, you know, your your hash browns and your raisin bread and everything else there. Um, so but they, it, being a place that anybody could come to uh, that was always open and, and gave some kind of like sanctuary to people um, when a lot of other places were not open. I'm thinking, God, what a great image for um, an understanding of communion uh, and how um, God's table is open. Um, and so, the church that I I serve at, we 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 operate under, you know, uh, open communion. We have an open table. You know, whoever whoever wants to come at that moment, whoever's moved, can come and take it. And um, so, kind of using where I'm at now, my own understanding of theology around the you know Lord's Lord's table, the Eucharist, uh, however you want to call it. Um, but seeing it as being something that's always open that can always happen. And so uh, my, my heretical push is to kind of get that out of Sunday morning and say, okay, what can we do? What is, what's the difference between me breaking bread on Sunday morning in, in, in a building with a steeple um, versus me going over to someone's house and breaking bread, uh, breaking some coffee cake that I have with someone that I'm there and I care about and we're sharing uh, ourselves with each other. We're sharing, uh, you know, we're having conversations about faith, what it means to us, our struggles, our blessings, our prayers, you know, that's all happening. And I think it can happen at any time. Um, and so that that Waffle House 24-7, 365, because, you know, they never close. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to like, how can we make the communion table never close? And uh, and then and uh, that's happening in our community, too. We have a um, uh, in, the, in the summer months, we have a uh, take it or leave it farm stand. And so people can come in, they can drop off food. And so if you got too many tomatoes, you can leave tomatoes. And if you need some squash, you can grab some squash. Um, and so it's that it's, it's it's never ending. Like tables always open, man. Um, and so that's uh, that's that's the that's the future of uh, of Waffle House theology. So you're going to have like very for those who aren't, you know, looking to unpack like theological issues uh communion cookery is probably a bit more on on the palate uh it's more about the the food and what that means to me and it almost touches more on like the the southerness and the region and, and me kind of processing that but obviously doing it through my faith the the, the forthcoming <laughs> the waffle house stuff is going to be geared more towards the all right this is how i'm impacting it this is how i'm making sense of it this is me deconstructing it this is me burning some of it. Um, <laughs> and then and then hopefully offering something that someone else can take and, and do something else with. So
1: yeah. I mean, and as I as I read the Waffle House theology piece of it, mm-hmm. I thought about how important that is now, I think, again, with the pandemic really kind of putting the lie to the need for buildings, really putting the lie to. Uh, church happens in a particular way in a particular mm. space, and and is limited to uh, these kinds of things that we've known to be church. Mm. We've had to be church in in new and inventive ways, and 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 the idea of of thinking of of um, a twenty four seven Waffle House um, accessible <laughs> theology, mm. like there's something. Really energizing about that, and something that feels really timely and needed, like that we 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 are in this point that like has forced us to rethink uh, a lot of the things that we've kind of held as sacrosanct in the past mm-hmm. that that really aren't. And and what does it mean to make the table even more accessible, even mm-hmm. more open, even more inclusive, mm-hmm. even more um, you know. To, to those to those folks who are coming from from the concert in various stages of sobriety you know like yeah. the table's open to them you know it's
0: like, it's, you're talking about me that's, that's <laughs> me it's 2 a.m you know like with my, my I had a great grandmother used to say nothing good happens after midnight you know you should have to, so it was her way of saying you shouldn't be out after midnight I was always <laughs> out after midnight you know um, it's only now with a toddler that you know you're going to bed at like seven yeah um, exactly but yeah it's that it's not, it's, it's not a, that accessibility i think that's what it is it's that you know um if we really do if we proclaim and you know, taste and see that this is good mm. taste and see this is good and and we we have tried or i should say we i'm i'm forgetting all my my an i statement let me use i statement i have but for so long have carried on a, a tradition that that um that sanctity and 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 reverence can only happen at a certain place at a certain time and i do think coming out of the pandemic when we are able to gather in those spaces together again there are they're they're going they're going to give meaning um they're going to give meaning in a new way um and uh but it has allowed us to strip some of that and so some of the stripping i'm thinking man this is you know, coming downstairs and making that soup stock and finding life there in a way that was not there for me before. Um, I think that can happen through our through what we understand to be communion. Um, I think there's potential for that, um, and that's the that's the exciting thing that we kind of get to. Uh, you know, if, I think the the relationship we talk about with God. I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty much a relational, um, you know, process kind of thinker. and process theology, and so this ever expanding relational god always looking to meet us to grow with us to co-create with us there's a there's a fred bonson word co-create something together um so this this invitation that we've been been at, been invited to um to to co-create something and and this this new this this thing that i'm trying to like just i don't know figure out for my for myself and then hopefully others want to get on board with too is, is a way to do that um, to say like let's 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 expand. Let's let's, bre- let's break the community table, like, or let's pack it up, put it in our cars, and, and take it and, and <laughs> it's take a it
1: folding table.
0: Yeah, that's it. Just need like a folding <laughs> table, man. It's a it's a farm stand. You know, that's right. Table, farm stand. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's right. Um, so I've I've heard just in in the time that we've talked, I, I've I've heard from you cooking as prayer, um, mm-hmm. and I and I've heard from you food. As both communion, um, communion with God, communion with others, but also communion uh, food as pastoral care. I mean, like mm. the idea of, of you, I, I mean, I, I love that. I'm loving this image in my head of you showing up on people's doorsteps with bags of scones and things like that. Like that, <laughs> that's that's amazing pastoral care. Yeah. Um, how, how else have you found cooking? And, and food influencing the ways that you live out your pastoral call?
0: Yeah, so I, I think it's the dropping stuff off is definitely a different thing for me. You know, I love being able to go and just sit and hear people Uh, and hear their stories, Um, but what I am, what I'm sensing uh, that my call is now, is like, you know, part of this is me sharing, but the other part is that reciprocity of people saying, like, yeah, this is, we appreciate this, um, but can we give you something, too, Um, and so what this has invited uh, the people that I'm here with to do, uh, the people that I'm walking with right now, is to, is to participate and, and, and give, and give me something, too, so um, there is a a pretty, uh, I don't know. It's almost like a mantra in this community that you don't return a container empty. Mm-hmm. And so when I would say, so I have to be very careful now because some people will load you down with some food. <laughs> so I don't take <laughs> certain containers to certain people because you'll get like a whole cake back. You got to be careful. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll wrap it up in tin foil and take it to them so they can't give, it, give me anything back. But um, but that that has been so cool the, the, the reciprocity behind it of uh, of going um, and receiving and then being fed. Um, And so when when someone says, uh, you know, there is a there's a certain way that we make a cheesecake here or there are certain cookies or there, you know, we use, you know, like I said, they they use maple syrup in a lot of their stuff. And um, I know that it came from their sugar shack that's you know right up the street. And so when they make that and they give it to me, it's like I'm I'm being I'm being blessed uh, or I'm being I'm finding out more about them. And it's stirring up stories in them to share with me. Um, And so it's allowing me to do in a different way, that idea. I had of pastoral care of like setting and listening to people, but now my setting and listening, um, even if they don't get to tell me, like I'm sitting at a counter or I'm sitting at home, you know, the, the kids asleep, um, or it's early in the morning and I've got that piece of pie that one of my neighbors made and I can sit there in silence and I can eat it. And I'm getting like, and I get to ask myself the questions. Uh, and then hopefully I get to take it back and ask them them. It's like, why was this, why was this meaningful to you? you know uh and so it it actually is giving me questions to ask people you know what better pastoral care questions of like tell me um so you said this was your mother's recipe um how do you remember it um or why is this so meaningful to you uh or you know where were you at when you uh when your mom showed you how to make this Um, and so it just it opens up the conversation um and uh and i think that has been that has been just contagious Um, and so a lot of people you know like today like i'm gonna um make a there's a lady who's celebrating a birthday in our community, and I'm going home to make a, a cake by Emma Lou Harris. This is, uh, <laughs> Emma, Lou, Emma Lou Harris's mother. Uh, this uh, it's a chocolate pound cake, and uh, I get to make that for her and take it to her. And you know, I get she's gonna she's gonna take one slice and put it in the refrigerator, and she's gonna eat the other slice then. And I'm sure, at some point, she's gonna make me something or have somebody make me something <laughs> and give it back to me. And so it's a it's an ongoing, never ending conversation that is so much more meaningful than just like texting somebody and asking how they're doing or just checking in um yeah like it's it, it's i mean it's feeding people yeah but it's it's definitely it's feeding um it's feeding community uh and it's giving people uh, a reason for them to get in the kitchen themselves and to, and to ask themselves those questions of you know i know i know pastor justin's up and he's he made these he made these biscuits or he made these cookies for me or these muffins um I made these one muffins in the shape of skulls because we have a we have a lady who likes to go to this image my, my wife's one of the ladies that likes to visit cemeteries in the area um but her and this other lady have a connection with that and so um her, and her family like I got up one morning and I, I made these muffins we have these skull um pins. so I go to their house and I drop off these muffins with like um uh, uh you know uh, powdered sugar all over them uh, and and, and, and these are people that aren't really connected with our church, but they know me and they know my spouse. Um, and then they get a cool story to tell about their, this, they're like, I don't know this one pastor, making skull muffins for us uh, and my kids. Uh, and like, that is such, that is a story that I would have never came up with on my own, you know? Um, and so it, that's, that's been the cool part to, to, to not have, to have all these conceptions of what I thought I was going to do here. Um, it kind of hurt to have him to have him shattered a little bit um but it's been really um it's been really like just like meaningful for me but I, I do think i hope anyway that it's been a way for um for others to kind of watch me get joy out of it and for them to kind of tap into some of that as well so yeah yeah,
1: yeah there is there is something about um Seeing others joy in the kitchen. I, I think this is this is part of why food shows work, is that like there's part of seeing other people join the kitchen that makes you want to find that for yourself. Yeah. But what you're describing is is this really beautiful image of community, like mm-hmm. this idea that like you know that if you if you send someone a dish, that dish is coming back to you. And 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 not just the dish is coming back to you, but like the stories are also mm-hmm. being exchanged. And, and and just like the depth and beauty of community that that's being created from that is that's that's really really cool.
0: Yeah, we're 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 a neighborhood church. I mean, we're the only church in town, our only church in the village. Um, so even if it's a you know, I understood when I came here that you know you are not going to be just a uh, a person uh, of spiritual guidance to to those that walk in this door. Like you're going to be it for everybody. So. Yeah, part of that is you know, getting to know them. And there, yeah, there's some people like, you know, just baking bread and putting, we got a freezer here that we, we kind of fill up and then we take the food to people that we, we hear like, Oh, so and so's having surgery. So they're going to need about three or four meals that week to kind of, you know, prep meals to kind of get them through. And so it's a, it's a way for us to, to be church. Um, we got people who are connected that really dig into that. And then we got people who aren't, who, Show up and drop off food and say, "Hey, I read read your thing that you wrote. It's really great to see uh, you know you feeding people." So it's it's this whole idea of you know neighbors, just neighbors being neighbors, um, yeah. and and in times that are polarizing, and you know Vermont is not um, not absent of that. We have different ways of thinking. There are pockets of places that feel strongly about uh, however you want to label those issues, um, but it's here. And so one of the ways that you can kind of hold conversation with people is, is through, no one's going to get mad when you show up with, (laughs) with muffins, you know, no one, no no one's going to get mad. They might get mad when they read some of the other stuff that I write, but when they're like, well, he, he thinks this way, but God, he makes good muffins.
1: You know, I think that's the. uh, Muffins are fairly bipartisan.
0: They are, man. Yeah, that's the, that's the big one. Um, But yeah, I think that has been a way for, for me to go into spaces that I wouldn't naturally be able to go into and for people who would never um, or just don't feel comfortable uh, coming into, coming into this space, you know, I'm able to, I'm able to gift them with, uh, with that and a bit of me. And while I usually kind of shun, um, you know, that position of leadership, uh, but it, it, it means a lot. I think when they say not just their neighbor gave it to them, but my neighbor who's a pastor yeah. gave me, this. Um, and I think that's, that, that helps redefine what they, what they understand to be, uh, you know, somebody working for the religious institution, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Mm. Um, so I want to end where we, where we usually end. Um, ask, ask the question of what is it that's giving you hope and not sort of like light flimsy, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs kind of hope, but like what's giving you substantial, get out of the, get out of the bed in the morning kind of hope.
0: Yeah. It's the, it's the kitchen. I mean, that's, that's where, um, That's where I get centered. Um, if there is a day that I don't bake, it does feel weird or I don't cook. Like it does feel weird. Um, and it's, it's the small things of like getting, like failing at a recipe getting really mad (laughs) because it didn't turn out right. Like the the bread didn't rise in the middle. Um, but it's the, it's the constant that knowing that I'm never going to get it right. Um, but I just get a little bit closer or I can get close to it or, um, it's, it's a never ending conversation. I think that is hopeful. Um, small things like reaching into the reaching into my refrigerator and there is just like three or four mason jars unlabeled full of like sauces and things that I've tried to make um and it's it's kind of like the people I'm not pulling out Heinz ketchup man like I'm pulling out like some kind of barbecue sauce that's been uh cooking for an hour on my stove and now I get to give it to somebody and uh, so every time I pull that out it's this. Um, I'm thinking of the person I gave it to. That, like, yeah, I put that on my on my hot dogs the other day, and I really enjoyed it. So, that is hopeful. Um, and, and I think the the hope is defining the that this meaning is not just for me that it's that it's for that it's for others. Um, and then the hope that we that we're going to come back uh, in some way uh, and be able to share these stories. And so maybe all the things that we that we shared on doorsteps. You know, just get that image of a big table, um, you know, out in the front of our church where we can sit and talk. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping the, the next thing that you know, we're, we're just having discussions about in this community is um, putting picnic tables out on our church lawn because we're right. The only other um, there's, a, there's a few big places in our town uh, there are like landmarks and one of them is the general store. Um, and so the general store has like sandwiches. They have a lunch counter kind of thing. And people usually sit outside, but there's not a lot of space for people to sit so we have bikers that come through here uh, we have all these different places but I, I am hopeful that you know through this idea of cooking and seeing the the power of being able to set and eat with people um, and what, what food can allow us to do is um, is to have these picnic tables up around our church and that people can stop in and share a meal together and break bread and in some form um, that's a yeah, I think the future is hopeful I mean the now is hope too um, so and, you know that's a very <laughs> that's a very uh uh salvation kind of path through you know we have past implications present implications future implications um and so you know the past is obviously shaped where i am now and this whole journey is going to shape where where things go and not just for me but for this community so um that is hopeful and i'm hopeful that i'm just going to find some other chef that i'm just not going to know about <laughs> um, you, know, you, you stumble on somebody and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know about them. And um, I need to read this book or I need to get this and I need to reach out. I mean, I stumbled on a Kindle, Kindle Vanderslice. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, like that. How great is this, what she's doing? And uh, you know, we're using that at our church now, like the some edible theology for kids to stay connected. And nice. um, that's the, that Hell, there. The hope is the hope is knowing stuff like what you're doing, uh, and Anna and Sam is that there are other people doing this too. Yeah. That's the that's the hope, man. I mean, that's just I mean, you're just not alone. You're not in a bubble, and that this is still happening, and that someone can get excited and jacked up talking about this stuff. And you're not just um, maybe you're still a black sheep, but you're uh, you got you got a flock, man. You got a flock that you can talk to this. You can talk to people about. Um, so that's that's my hope that there are people doing similar things but different things that their work has given me life and yeah, my hope is that I'm giving them some life too that they get excited about it as well
1: yeah well your your work has given me a ton of life and i'm so grateful for you and your uh, your writing and your thinking and 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 your your cooking um so where can uh, where can others find what you're doing what you're what you're writing where can they find you on on social media and yeah all that good stuff
0: um obviously the uh the blacksheetbaptist.com is where i kind of funnel everything through um i'm on i'm on instagram and i'm probably under more of a lurker status on twitter so <laughs> if you if you look up uh, bs baptist um, didn't really think about the implications of that uh, when I first, uh, <laughs> but in a lot of ways it works it's a, it's a it's a it's a moniker that works a lot of different ways so um you can you can find me on twitter too um, I do write, uh, I've submitted, you know, uh, Baptist News Global does, a, does a, every few months I'll submit something to them and they're very nice enough to share it out there. Uh, other things like I used to do, youth men conversations, kind of gotten away from that a little bit since I'm no longer in youth ministry. Uh, but CBF, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, um, their blogs, I've got some writings on it, uh, probably will in the future as well. Um, uh, so yeah, there's, I'm out there on a couple platforms, but, uh, but the website is where everything kind of uh, yeah, gives birth to
1: and i would i would definitely commend uh, people to check out the communion cookery and and the waffle house theology as it, as it is yeah. developing and, and expanding cuz i'm i'm excited to see where that goes
0: i'm dropping today man i'm dropping i'm doing fried chicken today oh excellent uh, So after Perfect. i get off with you i'm i'm uploading the uh, the fried chicken post and it's uh it's good man it's good fried chicken
1: Perfect. Perfect. Justin, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your time and your heart with us. And uh, we'll come back again when we, when we have some more, some more uh, uh, Waffle House theology stuff that's, that's
0: developed. Definitely, man. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you all for what you're doing.
1: Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plainsong Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep and till. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Diemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at
0: foodandfaithpodcast.org.